I'm reading about a storm in the Bible. We'll be preaching about another this morning. Life is full of them, therefore the Bible is as well. Internal storms, external, personal, weather, economics, emotional, mental, physical. They come in all shapes and sizes, do they not? They did in the Bible as well, and we read about it in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind them, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were other boats also with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we perish? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love this passage of scripture because it reminds me in a very personal way of the combination of the divine and the human nature of Jesus simultaneously in his life. So tired he went to sleep in a storm, but was present to calm it when the disciples were frightened. They thought he didn't care how little they knew he cared. He's in your boat. He may seem asleep, but when the storm gets bad, he'll speak peace. Listen for it today. Let's join hands and pray. Lord, we thank you that you have promised never to leave us and never to forsake us. And we thank you also that in the midst of storms, you are always present. And storms that come to us, Lord, in doing the things we think we ought to do. In fact, doing the things you told us to do. As you told your disciples to go across the sea in the boat. But, Father, we thank you that you never ask your people to go anywhere, that you have not already been, and that you will not be with them in their journey. So, Father, be with us in our journey. However storm-tossed it may be at one time or another, we thank you for your presence, and we pray you will give us peace and calm, and the resulting response from our hearts will be faith in you, whom we love and in whose name we pray, amen. It was in the early 70s, 
John David Hopper, missionary in Eastern Europe back in the days of the domination of communism. He and I had been preaching together. We had been in Poland, Warsaw, and Gdansk. We came back to Prague to speak for a couple of days. And then he had to leave a day earlier than I. And the pastor Svets, who was the pastor there, and a friend from previous visits uh, who spoke English and uh, was a wonderful man, he was out of town. So when John David left and uh, Pastor Svets was out of town, I didn't know anybody in Prague. And it was during those dark days, it was cold, it was winter, and I, I felt very, very much alone. And I went out for a walk, but I was very timid about it. I was kind of uncertain. I thought, I don't want to get in trouble or do something wrong. And, and uh, so I went back to the hotel, Intercontinental Hotel. I said, well, I just cloister myself there. And so I sat there in the lobby, and a Swiss ski team came in. Oh, a bunch of young folks carrying the skis, and they were the official team for, for, uh, for Switzerland. And they were happy, and they were checking in. They were there for some kind of meet tournament. And, uh, boy, I thought, man, I wish I was on that ski team and could speak that language. They're having fun, and I'm sitting here just frightened. And about that time, over the Muzak, playing in the hotel lobby, I heard what Joe Brake just sang. You'll never walk alone. And it was clearly the voice of God to me at that moment. And I said, that's right. John David's gone. Pastor Svetz is gone. But God hasn't gone. And I said, I'm going out. I went out, went down to the old town square, went to a restaurant that night that was largely populated by students from Charles University, and they were singing and celebrating, and I had a lot of fun being there, went back to the hotel, slept well, and got up and came home the next day. The word, my friend, is hear it today, hear it through Joe's music, hear it, I pray, through the words that we say, you're not alone. You will never walk alone. The storms come. Many of them in the Bible, because there are many of them in life. Emotional, mental, relational, financial, spiritual, public storms, political storms, social storms, literal in the sense of the storms ravaging the Midwest, floods, ice, freezing temperatures, Storms, hurricanes in Florida, earthquakes in California. Storms are part of life. They're part of the world in which we live. And there's one very appropriate account of a storm that the Apostle Paul went through. And I want to look at it with you for just a moment this morning. It's recorded in the 27th chapter of the book of Acts, and it's written by the physician Luke, who was the traveling companion of Paul, and we know that he was a part of this journey because he kept using the word us and we, us and we. He was there. He saw it. He experienced it. He was an eyewitness to this event. And so here we have it. Paul being taken a prisoner to Rome to stand trial before Nero, which he ultimately did, and was martyred. 
But he is here a prisoner on board a ship being taken from Caesarea to Rome. And they encountered a storm. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. Everything looks beautiful. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the coast of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm. Listen to that word. Circle it in your mind. Caught by the storm. And were driven. Circle it. Along by the storm. As we passed to the lee of a small island, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. And when the men had hoisted it aboard, they tied ropes around the ship itself to hold it together. Caught. Driven. Coming apart. Disintegrating. Fragmenting. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. They were totally out of control. The storm was in control, and there are times when the storm takes over. And we're caught. It may be through some fault of our own. It may not be. It may be because of something we did. It may be because of circumstances that developed over which we had no volitional control. But they come, don't they? And they grab us, and they drive us. And they would if they could destroy us, disintegrate us. And we're driven along by them. Luke says we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. They started unloading stuff that they thought was so important and so essential. In the face of certain storms, some of the stuff that we've accumulated doesn't seem nearly so important. Throwing it overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. When neither sun nor stars appeared, it's a dark time. It may be a day like that in your life today. Sun may be shining beautifully here in San Antonio today, and it is, but it may not be shining in your heart. The sun and the moon may be out. The storm has taken over. Neither sun nor stars appeared. They were there, but you couldn't see them. Storm got in the way. They were there for many days, and the storm continued raging. It just somehow, sometimes won't turn loose. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. We're sunk, literally sunk. The storm had taken over. My friend, a lot of storms, not only in lives, personal, here in this room and beyond, and some who are listening to this message by tape in a few weeks in this country or around the world, storms may be gripping your heart. I know they're gripping your land as they are ours. We have horrible storms ravaging across the social scene in America today, don't we? We see them 
on the front page of every paper and the lead story of every newscast. Storms. In the middle of the storm, the man of God took charge. Not the captain of the ship, the prisoner. The man in shackles. The man headed for Rome. God's man, the preacher, the prophet. He took charge in the storm. My friend, when the storm hits, it's very important that you listen to the right voice. One of the reasons we get into some of the storms we're in is because we listen to the wrong voices. And Paul stood up and reminded them of that fact. He just could not let it go unsaid, and it should not have gone unsaid. Paul stood up and he said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. They probably said, what does this preacher know about storms? What does this preacher know about events? What does this preacher know about civil problems and social issues? He doesn't know anything. He said, if you listened to me, you would have avoided the storm. And he goes back, if you back up a little bit from where I was reading, he said, so Paul warned them. They were still in, in a port called Fair Havens. And they were there, and Paul said, man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. He listened to the wrong special interest group. He listened to the captain of the ship and the owner of the ship who was not interested in anything but profit. So he wasn't going to be interested in the profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. His eyes were blinded by P-R-O-F-I-T. What's good for me? What makes me money? What satisfies my desires? What fulfills my expectations, regardless of what God says? Paul said, I want to remind you, I told you this was going to happen. And with the help of God, and I pray the blessing of His Spirit, I want to say to you today, my friends, you need to be warned that there's certain patterns of life that are going to prove destructive for you if you follow them. They're going to do it. You start experimenting in premarital sex, you're headed for a storm. A storm of an unwanted pregnancy that may be followed by the storm of an unnecessary and tragic abortion. And the way to avoid abortion is to avoid unwanted pregnancies. And the way to avoid unwanted pregnancies is to abstain. Don't start. The way to avoid the terrible ravages of Drug addiction is to say no to it. Now, you've got a lot of folks around who, for profit or pleasure, are going to be saying, oh, listen to what the preacher says. Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. He hasn't really lived. He doesn't know what we're feeling. As though we're born in some sort of isolated, undetached 
environment. No, don't begin. You'll avoid that storm. Well, then you pay attention to it. What does the man of God know? So he had to remind them, and they need to be reminded. And the world needs to be reminded. But I want you to notice something about Paul. He didn't stick there, and he didn't spend all of his ministry saying, you shouldn't have done it, you shouldn't have done it, you shouldn't have done it, you did wrong, you were horrible, you were detestable, you were contemptible. He said, it happened. I want you to notice this marvelous fulcrum here that changes the whole focus. The next statement he says, but now. Okay, we made some bad decisions, but now. Okay, we sailed when we shouldn't have sailed. But now, let's do something about it. We can look back and we can talk about the social problems that are existing in our community and in our nation. We can start blaming this politician or this policy or this program. And all you'll do is waste your energy looking back, blaming somebody. My friend, come with me and Paul to but now. Do something about it. Because God wants to do something. Not just lament the past, but change the future. But now, here's the word. I urge you to keep up your courage. Keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. What a promise. Not one of you will be lost. Here's a man that's making a profound promise on the basis of what God had told him to say. You're not going to be lost. Keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Paul. So Paul said to them, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God. That it will happen just as he told me. You read this story and you read where they threw out some anchors to try to keep the ship from getting into the storm. Paul had the anchors. He has the anchor. And the first anchor, as I believe God. I want you to notice that some translations may read, I believe in God. That's not what he said. He said, I believe God. When we say, I believe in something, that means there's sort of an objective appreciation of this person or this event or this statement. And I say, I agree with that. I agree there is a God. I believe there is a God. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not agreeing with some sort of intellectual assent to the existence of an almighty being. He is saying, I know him. I believe him. And because I know him, I know he'll do what he's promised to do. Carl Jung, the famous psychoanalyst, psychiatrist, writer, Christian, son of a minister, was asked, do you believe in God? He said, no, I don't believe in God. He said, I believe God. It's like asking me if I believe in Charlie Fanning, my father, now with the Lord. Bunger, did, did you believe in Charlie Fanning? Well, no, I didn't believe in Charlie. I believe Charlie. I knew him. And that's what Paul is saying here. I believe God and I am His. 
whose I am, he said, and whom I serve. I not only know him, I belong to him. I not only believe, I belong. I'm his. And because I believe and because I belong, I serve him. I serve him, do you? Do you have a theoretical kind of objective faith that says, oh yes, I believe in God, I believe the Bible, I believe Jesus? Do you believe Him? Do you belong to Him? Do you serve Him? It's not an intellectual exercise, it's an experiential event. It takes control of your life. I believe God, I belong to God, and I serve God. What a pattern for every person. What are you saying here is to have faith, hope, and love. Have you seen that? Believe God, have faith, take courage, have hope, and serve. Why do you serve? You serve because you love. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandment. If you love me, love one another. If you love me, serve me. Love God, he said, with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself to love other people. He's saying that we need to love, and we need to love because we need to care for other people. We need to have fellowship. We need to support. We need to encourage one another. And you see that love get demonstrated down here a little further. Incidentally, the storm got worse before it got better, and it may in our world. It may in our city. I believe it will. I believe there's certain forces and momentum right now that are not going to be stopped overnight. They won't be stopped at all if we don't have some people who say, I believe God, and I belong to God, and I serve God. But now, let's make a change of direction. Need a new captain to the ship. So, storm got worse. They dropped some more anchors. Didn't work. They finally just cut them loose. And some men, some of the sailors said, let's get off this thing. They tried to act like they were putting out one of the lifeboats, one of the dinghies to put out an anchor. And Paul knew what they were doing. They were getting ready to go off on their own. They were going to leave the ship. And Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. My friends, the church must stay together. We must stay together. We must understand what's happening in other parts of the body of Christ. We need to worship together. That's Bible commands it. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some. And there is always a subtle and insidious and pernicious tendency in the life of any big church for it to kind of splinter into little churches. All important for one part of the ministry, but deadly if it's confined and kept there exclusively. We have a tendency to move over into youth church, senior adult church, young adult church, young married adult church. Choir church. That's church. No, it isn't. 
That is not church. That is part of church. But what we need is to come together in the fellowship of the entire body or how is the hand going to know what's happening to the foot? Or how can the ear know what the eye is seeing? You see, the young people down there in the pit need to know as much about what's happening across the street in XYZs as the XYZs need to know what's going on down there with single adults. We need not be involved in all of that. We cannot be involved with all of that. But we can be conversant with all of that so we can pray for all of that and be a part of all of that so we can have an art league giving money to Alpha Home. And the day you begin to think your Sunday school class is church, you're violating what God says over and over and over. He says all of the people met together. We need to meet together in this place for praise and worship and prayer together. William Manchester, one of my favorite writers, historian, gifted man, wrote, a, wrote many books. One uh, that uh, I've read a couple of times, Goodbye Darkness. It's the experience of his uh, events in Okinawa. He was in the Marine Corps and was wounded. Got the million-dollar uh, million wound. You know, he was sent to the hospital. He was out. He was going to be okay. No more fighting for him. But he began to improve enough that he, against orders, sneaked out of the hospital, went back and joined his outfit, and got so severely wounded he had to spend about two years in the hospital. And they didn't know whether to decorate him or court-martial him. And they asked him why he did it, why he disobeyed orders, left the hospital and went back out. He said, well, I didn't do it for the country, and I didn't do it for the flag, and I didn't do it for the Marine Corps. I did it for my friends. Why do we come together? We come together for my friends. And I know there are some in this room who are part of what is generally known as the me generation. Kind of me, myself, and I, the modern trinity of some folk. And I want to say to any who are in the me generation, and that can transcend all age groups, people who are interested only in themselves, only in the profit, only in the ship, only in the cargo, rather than in the people involved in it. Anybody who uh, pulls off out to the side like that, you need to be warned, I believe, from God's Word, that you can find yourself in the swirling waters of misguided individualism, and it can be destructive for you and for everybody else. Don't leave the boat, Paul said. What was the result? It says, they prayed for daylight. Have you ever done that? I've done that. Lord, bring it on up. Get the day going. Pray for daylight. It doesn't have to be dark. It doesn't have to be night for it to be dark inside of us. It can be midnight and noon, as Edna St. Vincent Millay said in the poem. They prayed for light. And then in the 33rd verse, we read, Just before 
dawn, the sun started coming up. Paul told them to eat. And the 36th verse says they were all encouraged. Why? Because they stayed together. Why? Because they believed God. Why? Because they knew they belonged to God. Why? Because they knew they were going to serve God by serving each other. They were encouraged. You need that? You need God and God's people. Encouraged. When daylight came, they were headed for an island. They were getting ready to run aground. And Paul ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, every listen, everyone reached land in safety. Because they believed God, because they belonged to God, because they followed the Word of God through the man of God and stayed together, they were delivered. They were saved. I need to point out to you that the ship didn't make it. The ship didn't make it. The ship of state is not going to make it to the golden shore. It's not going to make it. The ship of the church, in its institutional and organizational form, is not going to make it. We'll not get there because of the ship. And I believe God allowed the ship to be destroyed, not only as a miracle for these men, 276 of them, but as a pattern for us. We're not saved by any institution or organization. We're saved because we know God. We put our faith in God. We belong to God. And we serve God. And He will deliver us on the shore in safety. And we'll give Him the glory for it. Not the ship, not the captain, not the preacher, but to God be the glory. The ship didn't make it, and none of the stuff the ship was carrying made it, except people. And that is what he came to say. One final lesson for me. But God has promised that he will not save us from storms, but through them. He'll not save us from storms, but through them. I believe if you and I believe God, belong to God by faith, and serve God, the storm may get worse, but I believe the coming years can see one of the greatest periods of spiritual awakening in the history of the Christian faith. Some of the greatest revivals in history, not just localized, I mean great movements of God, have come out of storms when everything is breaking loose but God. You want to make it? And we're going to make it victoriously. And through our faithfulness to God and to one another, a testimony will be given 
to the world and out of the darkness of the present storm can become the sunrise of a new and better day for your children and your grandchildren, my children and my grandchildren if we listen to the voice of God. Do that today. Trust Him as your Savior. Join His church. Get on board. Don't go riding off in some little personal dinghy. It won't make it. Be a part of the body. Be a part of the fellowship. Be a part of the church. Faithfully serving God and each other. I'll be here to greet you and to welcome you. Let's stand and let's sing.